Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. And entertaining. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Send your emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. I apologize. You're not seeing anything from me on Twitter today. Usually I tweet during the show. Can't. We have some software issues that we'll uh, get resolved before the uh, show goes on the air tomorrow. But I can get emails. Steve uh, sent an email from Bell Fountain, Ontario. Everything he said, Kevin O'Leary, made sense to me. Honest and accurate. No way he can be a politician. Minister of Finance would be good if not PM. Steve writes. Actually, I'm seeing quite a bit of a positive reaction to Kevin O'Leary's appearance on this program in the last half hour. However, you know, when it comes to the A-team, the next crew is the A-team. So put everybody's pot up, Wes. Um, we're, we're, we're working things a little differently today, technically. So once in a while, if you hear me say something to the studio, that's why. It is time for our weekly, what we call the B&V segment, Beauties and the Beast. And today we're going to talk about the price of oil on the world market and where it's headed and the impact on the Canadian economy. And Catherine Swift, former chair of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business and CEO there, um, now working Canadians.com is Swift. Hello. Hi, Roy. Linda Leatherdale, former money editor of the Toronto Sun, now vice, vice president of Cambria, Canada, just back from turning Los Angeles on its left ear. <laughs> Believe me, with the dollar the way it is, I wasn't buying anything. Oh, come on. You bought something. <laughs> you bought something. I must have bought something? You you did buy something, didn't you? Um, actually, I bought one little thing for my daughter. <laughs> That's it? Okay. Also in California, although Linda's back, and, and in California is Mel Shim, Michelle Simpson. I can't talk. Former Liberal MP and seatmate, former seatmate to the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, during question period. Uh, Michelle, glad you're feeling better. Oh, so am I, Roy. Thank you so much. Oh, you sound like Michelle now. Yes, I do. I feel like Michelle. Oh, good. That could be bad news for a lot of people. It is bad news. I'm going to put on my seatbelt. And joining us as well is a man I've known for, good Lord, I think it was 1993 that I met him during the federal election campaign, during which Jean Chrétien said, "We got a lot of work to do. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna dump the GST, and uh, Dan McTague is gonna be my finance minister." <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Dan. I had a lot of confidence in you for a day or two, but then, you know, I got to know you, and that was the end of that. If I do that too long, I'm going to lose my voice. Dan McTague, former Liberal member of Parliament, good friend, and he's the chief analyst for GasBuddy.com. Hey, Dan. Hello, uh, Ryan. Hello, everybody, all my old friends. Oh, my good God, Dan. Oh, it's so great Hi. to be with you. Absolutely, <laughs> it is indeed. Dan. I, I'm doing those. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> May are making me sick. <laughs> well, Roy, Roy needs all the help he can get. Listen, I do. You'll always be beast number one, but Dan could be beast number two, maybe? Oh, <laughs> the Beastie Boys. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> two beasts and three beauties. That's it. Okay, kids, we have a problem. And the problem is the price of oil. 
and how it's... I had Kevin O'Leary on there with me the last half hour. He made a lot of sense. He was talking to me about government and about Alberta and about uh, oil and about how to run government uh, from the business perspective. I had a lot, of, a lot of time for what he said. Catherine, let me start with you. You're the economist. Where are we? How much trouble are we in? How do we get out of the trouble? And are the players who are on the team to get us out of the trouble? And by that, I mean the... The, the government leaders at the provincial and the federal level, are, do we have the right people in place, and how do we get out of this? Well, for, for one, we can't control the price of oil. Uh, the price of oil is determined in international markets. Um, it, a, lot of, a lot has happened in the last little while, things like uh, the U.S. getting into fracking in a big way, so they're, you know, they've got way more of their own reserves than they ever have had before. China slowing down has been a massive impact. The bottom line being, of course, our oil prices are in the tank big time, and they're such a big deal to Canada, always have been. There's some people these days that say, oh, you know, we've got all of our eggs in that basket. You know, I hate to say it, folks, but we've always had quite a few eggs in that basket. And, and, uh, and this has been the case for decades. So I've always said, you know, when stuff, and of course it's affecting our dollar big time, which naturally means $8 cauliflowers. I saw a great editorial cartoon last week where there was a couple into a loan officer. They said, I'd like to buy a cauliflower, you know, <laughs> and that's kind of, it's funny, but kind of darkly so. Well, Catherine, um, do, we, do we have the right people in place to do what needs to be done to, to, to minimize the impact and to drive us in the other direction? When they run for election, when they run for office, they're constantly telling us, Michelle and Dan, the present company accepted. Um, uh, but when we're talking about the, the party leaders, how, they're go- how they can handle everything, all I hear is yeah, excuses. This is what's happening to us. Do something for us, can they? Catherine, give me well, 30 seconds. they could do seconds. something with the tax rate, for example. Right. They could do, what I hear from most governments these days, not all, provincial and federal, is they want to spend, spend, spend. They're already mostly grossly indebted, which means they'll be borrowing even more money than they've already borrowed. And yet we also hear of them wanting to hike taxes, whether it's uh, carbon taxes or, you know, some areas of income tax and so on. That's the last thing we need when, you know, some levers are within our control. Things like our tax system, things like bloated government. I saw something the other day. Alberta's government has grown massively in about the last nine months, notably, you know, since the NDP came to power. That's the kind of thing we don't need right now, and we have control over that. Mr. McTague, let me go to you. You're the, uh, you were in Parliament for, for many years, and now you're, uh, you're in the private sector. Uh, those of us who drive uh, and go to the gas station... Well, depending on the gas station we go to, uh, here in the Socialist Republic of France, they haven't heard that the price of oil has come down, uh, at least where I go. So I go across the border and I fill up occasionally. I'm getting it for a buck ninety-eight a gallon. So we're doing okay as far as that's concerned. But the bigger picture, Dan, is what? The bigger picture is that I wish we were paying $29 a barrel or at least getting $29 U.S. a barrel for our oil. Right now, uh, it's trading at $15.40. And that has to send signals around the world. It's the cheapest oil you can find anywhere. It's Canadian oil. Canadian oil. And it's, it's not just cheap oil or, as the President of the United States disingenuously de- determined or dined it, uh, termed it uh, dirty oil. His Alaskan slope oil is a lot more dirty. And where Linda's just come back from California, they're using a lot of that dirty oil and converting it to gasoline. Nevertheless, the biggest problem we're facing right now is that we don't have and we are seeing a prevention of the pipeline so it allow our oil, our valued oil, to get to global markets. And I say that because if you do an analysis of all the major Gulf um, U.S. Uh, refineries, the major complexes that make up 
uh, most of the gasoline that is refined in the United States, they want and have reconfigured and made significant investments in accommodating Canadian oil. Now, of course, we know that there was a political reason for blocking Keystone. That's fine. We'll see if NAFTA, uh, the NAFTA challenge stands up. But we still have the Energy East pipeline, which would allow us to get that oil into the Maritimes and ship it right back down to the United States, where those refineries are waiting eagerly for Canadian-made uh, oil. We've done a lot of work in terms of building pipelines in the United States. We reversed the uh, WTI, the Cushing refineries, uh, the Cushing uh, blockage that was down there. So Canadians have, you know, been a fair, you know, have done yeoman's work uh, and been way ahead of the curve in terms of understanding and, and appreciating the importance of energy in the U.S. But unfortunately, we, they just don't get enough respect here at home. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of the parcel of the reason. If we want our pensions, we want our education system, we want our healthcare system, we had better get behind the idea of getting a pipeline through Canada. And yes, there are going to be naysayers, but the good of the many comes well before the interests of the few. And and some of the provincial leaders, Miss um, Premier Clark, Miss Clark uh, <laughs> comes to mind, should give that some considerable thought. Uh, we're going to take a break here, then we'll come back and we'll hear from Michelle Simpson and Linda Leatherdale and t- talk more about where we're headed in this country with oil being one of our key natural resources. For some reason, for some reason, some people in Canada have always found it necessary, perhaps politically opportune, to savage the idea that Canada is an oil-producing nation. We like to say things like, Oh, you know, the the tar sands. It's not the tar sands. It's the oil sands. Anyway, uh, Michelle Simpson, Linda Leatherdale with their thoughts, and then we'll just set them, all four of them, loose. And I'm going to dive under the desk. Stay with us. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, all along the Chorus Radio Network. All right, we're back with the beauties. Well, three of them. And there's the other guy, the beast. The uh, the second beast, Catherine Swift, Linda Leatherdale, Michelle Simpson, and Dan McTague with me. And Dan, when you just really quickly, when you said that we're not getting what the uh, what the world market cost is or prices for a barrel of oil, which is twenty nine and change, we're getting something around fifteen bucks. That's because the customer, in this case, the United States, is 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 setting the rules. Right? They're telling us how much they're going to give us for our oil, and we have well, to sell it to them. We can't get our oil to them, and they're willing to pay more yeah. because it's worth more. But of course, we have to buy, you know, things to make that oil move in those pipelines. But we we're, we're we're restricted in what we can send, and uh, they'd love to have more. Uh, they have a president that says no, a state department, and an entire Congress that says yes. But beyond that. This is a Canadian decision, and the way to get around this is to use that natural gas pipeline yep. from Alberta all the way up to the Maritimes. Yep. Uh, let me hold on to Michelle's thoughts for a moment and go to Linda Leatherdale, because I can, I can always hear Linda's brain when it's on the verge of explosion. <laughs> well, Roy. well, you know what? I'm just going to take a step back, and I'm going to be the cynic here. And I'm going to say to Dan, remember when we had all those oh, yeah. peak oil strategists saying, Watch out, the world's going to end with oil. We're going to be paying $200 a barrel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My comment is I think we're all pawns in the system, and some hedge fund traders are getting rich while we're getting poor. But I'm going to say that, you know, yes, Canada is an oil producer, and this is so important to our economy. 
I believe that we should be paying less than 91 cents a liter. When I see prices that you just said, Dan, 15, I didn't know that. I'm looking at 20 while they say it could go as low as that. So I still think we're getting hosed at the gas pumps. And let's not forget that the Canadian consumer is up to record debt. And now I'm hearing people talk about a global meltdown. Not just Canada, but other parts of the world. And that's the last thing we need in this fragile recovery. Well, in 2009, Michelle, we were the economy that was held up as being the economy that was so well managed. And we were we were doing better than others because our commodities were were so strong. Now we need now we need. Now we need in, not inventive people. Well, maybe we need inventive people. We need people who can who can think on their feet and are willing to take some level of risk, and uh, and and drive the economy forward. But and then I had this thought, and I tweeted it the other day. We're in good hands. We've got Kathleen Wynn, and we've got windmills. <laughs> How could we lose? How we've got wind and windmills. How can we lose? Michelle, go ahead. I I agree with you 100% in terms of how this is being managed. There is no political will uh, on, at any level, as far as I'm concerned, to deal with this. It, it's become, to, Dan, to Dan's point, you know, the pipeline, it's become like this political football mm-hmm. on both sides of the border, and it's just bizarre, and it's costing us. Like, mm-hmm. it's it seriously costing us. And if people don't believe that there isn't a cost to the fact that no one's standing up and doing the right thing, and, you know, Roy, to your point, uh, you know, maybe coming up, we do have to take a bit of a risk. Yeah, we do. That we have to do. But we can't be all that bad, Catherine. I'm going to set you guys free for five minutes and just just to a free-for-all, but we can't be all that bad. We did have $2.6 billion to give to the UN Climate Fund, so hey. Could life get any better? The Auditor General's report in Ontario was pretty good. She basically, uh, all the outrages we saw in hydro in the budgeting process, on and on and on, and, that's, and by the way, this applies to other governments as well. But the thing she said, which really struck me, was there seems to be zero plan. And that was Ontario. And then federally, to get to your point, Roy, about the you know, billions spent on God knows what overseas, um, a lot of ministers federally are going out promising money all over the country, and nobody seems to have a clue how this is happening, or, or there's no planning, there's no anything. And, and this is the kind of thing that's going to be totally destructive, is already destructive, and it's going to be more so. During the break there, at least on the Ontario station, I was hearing, of course, you know, they had the, the program for poor people in Ontario to give them a little break on their hydro. Well, don't screw up hydro so badly, and you wouldn't need a whole bunch of high-priced bureaucrats to manage a program like that, you know? It's, it's crazy. Nobody seems to have a plan or get the plight of the average person. You know, I sent you guys uh, some, some research that I've done, and uh, I did some more the last couple of days. I'm really into this whole issue about the elderly particularly, and the poor, who are struggling trying to pay their hydro bills. And and there was Bruce Gray County in, in Ontario where the United Way a spokesperson in 2000 winter of 2014 was worried that people were going to die because there was there were 42 families who were in crisis situation because they, they they couldn't afford uh, to heat their homes and and they they had nothing in their furnaces to to warm their homes. Uh, you know, and then and then what do you get from the government? Oh, just dial dial two one one, and they'll tell you where you can go and, re- and request assistance. This is really, this is. Awful. It's awful. Hey, let me step aside. Guys, go ahead, please. A decade ago, I worked with Linda on a plan to take federal taxes, 
the tax on tax, the GST, which was 7% of the time, applied to all the other taxes. It was a windfall for the government at that time, a federal government, of some $4.5 billion a year. We didn't want to give it back to the oil companies because we knew if we did it at the the gas pumps, they would simply wind up pocketing it. So instead, we actually gave rebates to those very people who could use that. Now, I don't see that happening here. But the policy that brought us to the 70% increase, which is hammering the daylight out of people who can least afford it, is, in my view, uh, obscene. And frankly, based on very false science, I'm going to be very, very controversial here, this idea that somehow we can amend or change the climate or that carbon uh, dioxide is somehow bad is absolutely false and, and rubbish. And I would challenge anybody who, is, uh, who has any kind of scientific background to demonstrate to me that there's too much carbon dioxide in the air. It's the giver of life, not the taker of life. And so... What we're looking at here is, again, a government completely policies that are completely oblivious to how it impacts ordinary individuals. And we need more people to recognize uh, that they're to serve people, not to serve particular here, here. trendy interests yeah. somewhere around the world. Here, here. Well said, Mr. Yeah. McClellan. Very well said. Let's ask the tax, Dan. We should bring back that. It's time. <laughs> it's time to put consumers account for two-thirds of the economy. They are not healthy at all in this country. No, no, and it's, uh, you know, when you see someone getting a bill for $20, they turn down their heat, they're at 54 degrees, and I know these people personally, and I don't want to get into specifics, and then they were hit with a, a four-fold increase in that bill at the end of the month because of delivery charge, debt retirement charge. It's, How many times uh, do you want to hit people who can least afford you know it? You know what they found out, you know what they found in the UK in, uh, I think it was 2011, more people died uh, from cold in their homes than died on their highways and traffic accidents in one in one year, and it's gotten worse. We but but we 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 have to. Is there a formula? Is there a plan? Do we have a team? Do we have players, or are we just sitting and hoping for the best? As you said, you got ministers running around the country making all sorts of proclamations with no idea where the money's coming from, and we're heading into a federal budget. And I don't think these people have any idea what they're doing. Michelle, I, I you know, I, I want to bring you in. I'm, I'm sorry, and we have 55 seconds. That's fine. No, I, I I don't believe that they they necessarily do either. I, they're very well meaning. But, you know, I've been listening to a lot of these promises that are going on and on and on. And, you know, I, I just don't know where the money's going to come from. I, I really don't. And you can't borrow yourself out of a hole. No. no. <laughs> but all, all of them are talking about more taxes. How the heck does that solve anybody's problem? <laughs> exactly. We're already overtaxed. We're overtaxed. And higher taxes, are, it's not an option. You know what, if they raise taxes, you know who's going to be doing well if they raise taxes anymore? The repo companies are doing, are going to be doing <laughs> exactly. well. Exactly. And so much is just going to government employees' compensation. You know, I know that's a broken record for me, but it's true. And if, if so much gets sucked into the compensation of government employees, we don't get any improvement of services, and yet we're paying more and more tax. So okay. it's wrong. Thank you, beauties. Thank you, Mr. McTague. Will you come back and join us again, Dan? Nice to have you with us, Dan. I'm blushing. I'm blushing. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, Dan, we love you. (laughs) Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Michelle. All right, guys. Talk to you next Saturday.